How we doing? Good. Hey, I've got an announcement before we get into the message tonight. Um, if you are interested in the men's retreat, it is three weeks from this Friday. Men, if you're like me, you procrastinate, right? And sometimes you need somebody to hand a sheet of paper in front of you and say, hey, sign up. Well, good news. We have a sheet of paper for you that you can just sign your name in and write your phone number. So really, that's all we need. Men, if you're interested in, on, in the retreat, at the sound booth, just put your name and a telephone number, and that will suffice. So again, that's three weeks from Friday. Uh, we are in our Deep Tracks Only series, where we're looking at five books of the Bible in five weeks, and really the heart behind it was we just really want to be in the Scriptures, in all the Scriptures, right? We don't just want to stick to the hits, although the hits are extremely important. We want to get the deep dive into the deep stuff in the Scriptures. And two weeks ago, we were in the book of Obadiah, and last week we were in the book of Jude, and now next week we're taking a break from the series for a week, and Recovery Soldiers, who's one of our missions partners, is coming, and they're going to share their testimonies. And you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I've gone over there and I walk through the facility with Josh, the guy who heads it all up, and we'll run into somebody and he'll say, hey Dallas, or hey, tell Dallas your story. And it'll just be some of the, man, most awesome things. I mean, just things like, I was on meth for 10 years, but yet I you know, saw the good news of Jesus and he's changed my life. I mean, all these just amazing, amazing stories. So you're in for a, a big treat next week. Tonight we're in the book of Zephaniah and we're going to read all three chapters of Zephaniah tonight. And it's going to be great. So, and again, the heart behind it is, we, what happens is if we're not in the scriptures, if we're not like in the deep stri- uh, scriptures, what happens is the world ends up setting the narrative for what's in the scriptures. And so really what we want to do is be able to let God set his own narrative. <laughs> let God tell his own story, right? And so often in my life, I've had questions or I've heard an issue that maybe somebody has, especially Old Testament. I've heard issues somebody might have with the Bible. And I say, wow, they present a really good argument. I'm concerned about that myself. But yet I don't dig into it deeper because I'm concerned that my faith might be ripped out from under me if I explore that and find out that it's true. That's been my story for a lot of my life. But as I've gone deeper into the scriptures and and really learned myself what God is trying to say, then you actually go the other side to have more confidence in, in God, in the process. Things like I've asked the question, why would a loving God allow people to go to hell? And I, it just stuck with me many, many, many years before I finally decided, let's just dive into the scriptures and see what that's about. And yet now I have so much more confidence because we've explored that. That's why it's so important for us to be in the scriptures and in all the scriptures, because then God can tell his story and we don't hear the narration about the Bible from the world, but from God. And that's so very important. And I think another reason why we don't dive in, especially to the Old Testament, is because we may feel condemned because of the wrath of God. You see a lot of wrath, especially in the Old Testament, don't you? And that's why it's so important when we read the Old Testament that we read it through the lens of what Christ has done. That Christ has come and absorbed God's wrath on the cross for all who will just repent and believe in His name. 
And so oftentimes we'll read something in the Old Testament we'll say, man, that sounds like God sounds really mad and there's a day of judgment coming. And by the way, there is a day of judgment coming, but there is also deliverance through the name of Jesus Christ. And so it's so important when we read the Old Testament to read it through that lens that a perfect God made a way for us to be with him forever and that the wrath of God was absorbed by Jesus Christ on the cross. One more thing before we get into just reading the scriptures here tonight. I think one thing we've got to understand is that we are, yes, sinners, and we are also very highly valued by God. Both of those things are very important for us to realize. See, God doesn't just put up with us and throw us a bone when he gave us Jesus. It was because we were so highly valued to him that he made a way for us to be with him forever. Tim Keller says it like this, We are far more sinful than we even think, and we are far more loved than we can even imagine. And the fact that we're sinful should not lead us into a place of insecurity. And at the same time, we shouldn't allow the world to tell us, oh, you know what? It's not that big a deal. It's not that you're sinful. It's just how you were raised. Or, or it's just, you know, anybody would react that way in your situation, right? We have to reject both of those things. It's the fact that, that we are sinful, yes, we acknowledge that, and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to understand the judgment that was coming our way, and we also have to understand how highly valued we are. Our sin should not lead us into a place of insecurity, because our security comes through Christ. And that security is a security that the world knows nothing about, a security that allows us to walk with confidence Remember we talked a couple weeks ago, a Christian should, should never really walk with a swagger or with a limp. The idea being that our confidence comes in Christ so we can walk confidently. And also, we don't let our sin dictate our insecurity. We have security in Christ. So we have to know both of those things. It's so very important. Now with that, let's get into the book of Zephaniah. So what you're going to see here tonight you're going to see two chapters that really demonstrate for us the judgment that we deserve. And then the third chapter, you're going to see a, a hard shift. You remember two weeks ago in Obadiah, we talked about how, how the day of the Lord or the day of judgment is never God's final word. We talked about how there was deliverance on Mount Zion. Same thing here. You'll see in verse 9 of chapter 3 that God is making a way for us moving forward. So, with that, Mark, I'm going to outsource some of this reading here tonight. I mean, one chapter is one thing, but three, you know, I'm going to have to outsource that. So, Mark, Mark's going to read Zephaniah chapter 1, and uh, if you want to follow along, he'll be reading out of the NIV. Thank you, Mark. Good evening. Um, I'm Mark Frangioni, one of the elders here. Um, I will be reading from Zephaniah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Judgment on the whole earth in the day of the Lord. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. 
when I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place. The very names of the idolatrous priests, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord and who also swear by Molech, those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district. All your merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. Though they build houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and dark blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither, the, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on, that, on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. David. All right, chapter two. Gather together. Gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like wind-blown chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility, perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. 
Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkelon left in the ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Ketherite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of the Philistines, he says, I will destroy you and none will be left. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks. That land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. There they will find pasture. In the evening, they will lay down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. This is what they will get in return for their pride, for insulting and mocking the people of the Lord Almighty. The Lord will, awesome, will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the earth. Distant nations will bow down to him, all of them in their own lands. You Cushites, too, will be slain by my sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, leaving Nineveh utterly desolate and dry as the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there, creatures of every kind. The desert owl and the screech owl will roost on her columns. Their hooting will echo through the windows. The rubble will fill the doorways. The beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the city of revelry that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am the one and there is none besides me. What a ruin she has become, a lair for wild beasts. All who pass by her scoff and shake their fists. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, chapter 3. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves who leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are unprincipled. They are treacherous people. Her priests profane the sanctuary and do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning he dispenses his justice, and every new day he does not fail, yet the unrighteous know no shame. Jerusalem remains unrepentant. I have destroyed the nations, their strongholds are demolished. I have left their streets deserted with no one passing through. Their cities are laid waste, they are deserted and empty. Of Jerusalem, I thought, surely you will fear me and accept correction. Then her place of refuge would not be destroyed, nor all my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all they did. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger." The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. Then I will purify the lips of my peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord, 
and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove you from your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Amen. Uh, Gentlemen, again, thank you for reading here tonight. Uh, Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come forward. Uh, Zephaniah shows us that you really have to know what you've been saved from so that you can fully embrace the grace that's been given to you. And so just like Jesus in John chapter 4, when he says to the woman at the well, he says, hey, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And you think for a second, wow, that's really rude, Jesus. How could you do that? But the reality is, in order to understand and really grasp the magnitude of the grace that's being offered to her, you have to also understand what is also true. The weight of your sin, the magnitude of your sin, and that's what Zephaniah is doing here. He's laying out for them the fact that judgment is coming based on their sin. And yet, in Zephaniah 3, he says that one day all of them will call on the name of the Lord. That's in verse 9. They may trust in the name of the Lord. That's verse 12. The Lord will take away their punishment. The Lord, the King, will be with us. Verse 15. He will be a mighty warrior who saves. He will delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. And man, maybe some of us need to hear that part again. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But instead, he will rejoice over you with singing. Verse 17, he will rescue the lame and the outcast. Verse 19, guys, this prophecy of Zephaniah has been fulfilled through the blood of Jesus Christ. I think as we lean into that reality that we are sinners that that were worthy of punishment, and yet also we had so much value in the eyes of our Father that he sent Christ to take that punishment. Both of those things are absolutely true, and we've got to cling to both. And the question I have before we get into worship is, when's the last time you really thought about the fact that because of Jesus, 
God the Father sings over you. I mean, that will really inform some things in our life. And often when I counsel people, sometimes God will prompt me with this simple question. Really, it's, when's the last time you felt loved by God? And sometimes that answer is never. I, I just, I've never, never felt, I've never experienced God's love. And sometimes that answer is, it's been a really, really long time. And then sometimes people just can't even get a word out because it, it brings about so much emotion, even thinking about the idea that God loves them. And as we get into worship here tonight, I just want everybody in this room to know and never doubt the fact that God, our Father, fiercely loves us. I mean, He emptied the cupboard on our behalf. He loves us so much. We don't have a passive father. We don't, we don't have one that turns his back on us. We don't have one that's just taking notes and, and you know, just saying, hey, you got to do better at this, you got to do better at this. No, we have a God who, who looks at us and, and actually sings over us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He looks at us and he sees Jesus' finished work. When's the last time? And maybe this is a question during this time of worship for you to just evaluate. When is the last time? He actually just experienced the love of the Father. And if you haven't, I don't know that we get anywhere until we do that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love. I mean, we are, we deserved punishment, and yet, you just made a way when there wasn't one. And we're just so thankful for your love. Help us to be a people who just see it. I mean, the enemy likes to distort and distract and say, you know, you've just gone too far. It's just too much this time. And I just pray you'll give us clear eyes to just see you smiling and singing over us here tonight. You're such a good father. And we just give you the praise that you deserve here tonight. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.